Mana 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 this is Social Disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is an impressively prolific writer in a great many forms, including a founding member of, founding, excuse me, editor of Clickhole and what his Wikipedia page deems internet writing. Being an Emmy-nominated, now former staff writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, writing comics for characters like Loki, Black Panther, Deadpool, and Harley Quinn, and authoring the picture books Santa's Husband and the just-released Princess Dinosaur, please welcome Daniel Kibblesmith. Welcome. Hello! Thank you for having me. Internet writing is so... that's Thank God somebody <laughs> invented that term. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like when I read that as the header in the Wikipedia article, internet writing, I'm like, yeah, that's true. I just had never thought about those two words in conjunction with each other. It needed, I needed that specifically because it feels like it was sort of like, it was just like a, like a hobby or like something that I was just kind of like trying out for many, many years. And just through sheer critical mass, it turned into something that my Wikipedia is allowed to mention. (laughs) <laughs> it's as though like if i built if i built like one birdhouse a year it would be a hobby but if i built seven birdhouses a day i would be looking for somebody to like explain it to me like <laughs> like daniel is a writer but he also he, you're also what do you would you call it a birdhouse factory yeah, yeah, yeah like, kinda. it just sort of happened i mean i guess technically i do them in in what i guess would constitute an assembly line right. so in that regard yeah yeah that's fair yeah yeah well, it's funny. Okay, well, this is a we might as well because this is the most unimportant question I have. Not that any of them are in general, but this is I was fascinated by this in the article itself. It says Kibble Smith was an early employee of Groupon, joining in two thousand nine. When he left the company in two thousand fourteen, he was then the quote in-house comedy writer for Groupon. What does yeah. that mean? That just means I worked in the marketing department. <laughs> okay, I don't know how. I don't know how that came to be phrased as though I was the, the sole person doing it, uh, which yeah. I was very much not. Um, but what happened was I, I you know, lived in Chicago and I was you know, writing like McSweeney submissions and, and things like that. And I found a Craigslist ad for the company Groupon, which I thought was a scam. And I don't know if it's not, by the way. I worked <laughs> there and I'm still not. I don't know what its incarnation is like right now. Yeah, but at the time I was like, this company doesn't exist at all. They don't have offices, and uh, what they were looking for was like basically humorous copywriters. So uh, me and a lot of other uh, really funny people, and Groupon hired basically every improviser in Chicago in some capacity because they <laughs> nice. they grew so quickly, and it was all these underemployed people who were getting the jobs through reference. Yeah. And, you know, you had to have writing ability and be personable. It was it was great. Uh, they just hired the entire Chicago comedy scene for like four years. So it's like Groupon had its own writer's room. Yeah. So among other things, they had their own writer's room. And it <laughs> was me and uh, Sam Weiner, uh, who I, I wrote the How to Win at Everything book with. And my friend Colin Crawford, uh, who writes for TV now. Uh, some other really funny people, uh, Wes Haney and Ben Kobold and uh, Megan Green uh, and... Uh, I'm definitely forgetting people, but just like, yeah, funny, funny Chicago comedy people who, who all uh, made great things outside of their corporate day job. Uh, it was just, a, it was a weird, fun gig. It was like a little Silicon Valley type job in Chicago that hired Second City and Annoyance people. Well, that's fun, especially when you can, you know, in some way 
work on your comedy or kind of, for lack of a better word, get the reps in while also getting a steady paycheck. That's a win. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it taught us a lot of discipline, I think, because it was, you know, it, there weren't any entertainment jobs, really. Uh, I mean, you could be, if you were an improviser or something, uh, you could get on Second City main stage, I guess, but I, I was pretty much strictly a writer. Like, I was in my own YouTube videos. Uh, but, um, I, yeah, it kind of taught you how to, like, have a boss and take notes from editors. Yeah. Was writing, like, always the move for you, for lack of a better word? Not necessarily. I went to film school sort of with hopes of directing things, but I just wasn't good. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I liked working. I liked working with actors, and I liked figuring out, you know, uh, I liked facilitating performances of things. But the the dialogue uh, and the the ideas and the emotions that I were was interested in sort of were the most. They were the most accessible and prevalent in the writing process and i liked i liked writing a lot and i liked editing video a lot and then being on a set just stressed me the hell out because you you know you're always at the mercy of getting the thing that you need and i just wasn't very technically adept like you know to this day like i know very little about lenses and lighting yeah so yeah you just realize that i mean in some ways like you uh you kind of topped out at both i guess on some level ability but also probably interest level yeah some of these things. anxiety <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fair I mean, I yeah. still, I, I still, as I'm, as I'm saying this, I like, I know that I'm going to want to direct something two years from now and somebody will dig this up and be like, oh God, this guy's a fraud. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot take notes from him tomorrow. But uh, I think it also just when you are, when you are like a, a young person trying to get work in the entertainment industry, everybody kind of does everything and it's this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy of, of focusing down a little bit on the parts that, you know, you work a little harder at one aspect of it, you get a little better at it, you get jobs related to it, and it, yeah, it just kind of becomes your track, I think. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, I, I think, too, when I think about a movie, just in general, what, what seemingly a miracle it is to get a movie made, let alone what it takes both in outside of even ability, just obsession of needing to get that done. You have to feel so compelled to do it like you have no choice. So, I mean, there has to be absolute unquestioned passion there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Look, the answer should be yes. <laughs> I don't know if I have unquestioned passion in everything I finish. I think sometimes it's more of just like an itch that I feel like this would work. And I have this kind of like, uh, you know, like it's laundry that I have to fold. Like yeah. the, the passion might inspire the idea initially, but in order to to get it into reality, sometimes it is just that sort of like chipping away of like, I have a responsibility to do this because I can see what the finished product would look like. And it is it is viable and it will make somebody happy. I don't know if I'll be happy at that point. <laughs> so is working in different mediums like you have? Is that a conscious choice or is it idea is it driven by the idea? Or uh, I think I mean it's sort of it's sort of driven by the idea. It's it's driven by what people will say yes to. I mean it's Fair. such a yeah. it's so hard to everything. Everything has has some kind of gatekeeper. And it's so hard to get buy-in uh, from somebody who will you know, at this point in my career, pay me to do something like that's now that I have like a mortgage and stuff like that is a very 
necessary components to me yeah. pursuing something um because because the the time is is so valuable so um yeah it's it's i i get the idea it's a medium that i have you know interest in or familiarity with or just you know ambition toward you know something i'm something i'm curious about like i i wanted to do a children's book i thought that i i thought that i could uh based on the stuff that i like and the stuff that i write and you know the amount of time i've spent with kids and in libraries and doing like story times at bookstores so that was that was a world where i felt like i could break in and 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 make something but a lot of it is just who will you know who will accept that from you like i don't know if uh like i should not start a band right now you know what i mean like there are there are yeah. limits to you have a you have sort of a contract with the audience and i think if you make a lot of stuff you can broaden their expectation uh, you know what people will accept from you but uh yeah i i mean i'm not gonna i i don't think i'll ever be a youtuber like i think that there's there's stuff that there's stuff that is not necessary for me to to try to break into yeah i know what you mean of like uh, like yeah i think they've got tiktok pretty much nailed down right think, right that one can yeah. go on without me <laughs> the window has the window has closed but uh yeah there's there's stuff that you're you know you're drawing your little you're drawing your little career spider web there is stuff that is like an intuitive direction if i wrote you know if i wrote a funny book for grown-ups it is not crazy that i could write a funny book for kids that's fair this is something else I was, I was curious about too that i know with comic books there's an economy of words involved certainly but with children's books it's like feels like the very definition of it. I mean, granted, with a picture book, perhaps you're doing more captions, I guess, than illustrate or then uh, versus illustrations, which are dominating it by the very nature of what it is. But is that more difficult or is it a different muscle? I, I think it's definitely a different muscle, but I, I think for me it is a little more difficult because there's also this idea of like I want to pull my weight in a collaborative project. Yeah. And I think that the the sort of reflexive dumb guy way that I would attempt that is to just get, you know that more is more that I would yeah. write I would write here's you know I, I wrote a lot for this so I did my part and now the illustrator has to do all of the actual work that children care about. See, I would want to overcompensate. I feel like yeah, that's a great word for it. Uh, so yeah, I think like the sort of mature thing to do is to. Uh, recognize uh you know your role in it and the the degree to which you are the star <laughs> of that project and you know children's books are illustrator driven and uh, i work uh, right now uh, just with ashley quatch and she's the greatest so this was our second book princess dinosaur and the te it's rhyming text it's rhyming couplets so there was already sort of this formalized aspect to it that made it very easy to be brief Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just sort of by design, it was already like a book that was fairly light on text and heavy on illustration. So it wasn't hard to play by those rules. But yeah, whenever I write comics, I mean, every time I write a comic, I think it has less words in it. And I've heard a lot of writers say that, uh, except Loki, which was super complicated and had a ton <laughs> of words in it. It makes sense too, and I grant it. I guess it's not always dictated by the medium, because part maybe part of making that or feeling compelled to make that was as a response to what that medium tends to do anyway. But that question was driven by, I guess, projection by me too, because I was thinking it takes a lot to try to 
relinquish that control that comes with wanting to, to your point, like contribute or feel like you're contributing. But also that's, that's how it goes. Those are the rules. Yeah, I think that's a nice feeling to have, at least. You know, it's like, I should be working harder. I should be doing more. Like, <laughs> it's that's a, a good, good problem to have, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a polite instinct. <laughs> Just the idea of, too, like, uh, well, I could hug this person, but I guess technically I could also murder somebody by hugging them. Sure. Too hard. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe maybe less is more in this case, and these are the relationship. Yeah, I, 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 think, that's, I think that's it. I think even though that was an analogy about murder... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the phrase "this is the relationship" is actually very uh, illustrative. Of, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really do anything solo right now. I'm kind of thinking out loud. I'll do like comic strips for Instagram, but that's the only thing I do that isn't scripting. It's the only thing I do that isn't collaborative for a visual medium. Um, and yeah, I, that's yeah, that's my that's my sweet spot right now. I don't know whether it's like. I don't trust myself to write a novel that I need it yeah. to be filtered through somebody else's vision because I don't really see it as like a complete and finished thing. But uh, you, for whatever reason, you know, career momentum or subconscious desire, everything I do pretty much is with other folks. I'm yeah. early. I'm early in the process, and then I kind of I need them to to, to come in and, and fix it. Yeah, you know, I feel like that. That sometimes too, when you. Kind of like just having a thought in general. And, and again, maybe I'm just speaking to myself too, but that I feel like I want to bounce it off people at the very least to then, so I can have that response of like, right? And, you know, yeah. like, like <laughs> yes. I know, you know, it's just me, you know, it's just I'm like me. I'm not insane, right? Like, this yeah, no, works. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, well, because then I think like this, like I have a thought and I'm like, this feels so reasonable and fair, but then I'm like, dot, 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 but what if it isn't? And so that that's why I kind of want to have that, I guess, some form of like purview to make sure maybe like right is this correct i don't know yeah as as i uh as as i get more experienced making stuff i am sure that i will want to be the auteur on some things yeah uh and it also probably depends on the idea if it's an idea that i generate totally independently and i can't really see another person being the other jigsaw puzzle piece on it it's just like this is my weird baby then that that is something that I am sure I will I will <laughs> look yeah. forward to the painful process of birthing solo. But you know, I, I also I would imagine it's just the idea too that having a you know maybe it's like oh uh, it's easier for me to do this because it's it, it, the vision is or the the thought or the idea is what it is, and it's even just easier for me to do that versus having to communicate what this thing is in my head. Yeah, well, I mean, that depends on that. That I don't do anymore. Like, that is something that I know isn't my uh, sole domain. Like, yeah. if I have if I have a vision in my head that is that strong that um, that uh, it lives or dies on my ability to get someone else to do it perfectly, then it ceases to be, I think, a, a collaboration, and that's just something I should keep in my pocket to do Fair enough. to do yeah. solo yeah that makes sense i guess i'm i don't know if i'm technically backtracking but i am backtracking i guess from a very basic format perspective but how are you right now or how are you doing oh gee <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah <laughs> no man i'm i'm all right yeah um you know i know that's the premise like everybody's inside being inside people 
Uh, I'm good. I'm working remotely, so we're not worried about job stuff. Um, my awesome. my wife uh, Jennifer is also a writer, and she works from home on a book that she's writing. She's four or five months pregnant. Five, I think. I saw that. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, it's really hard to be. It's really hard to be ungrateful about a lot of the inconveniences of the past year or so when Mm. so many so many big life things are secured so uh we're 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 okay we play mean bean machine every night on the sega genesis mini classic what does that game entail because that i've not heard of that game oh oh and and it's very evocative brandon (laughs) Brandon. okay please correct me so Dr. Robotnik, the archenemy of Sonic the Hedgehog, yes. is, for reasons that are unclear, collecting uh, species uh, called beans, uh, who are just <laughs> gelatinous shapes, and in the introduction video, he is running them through some kind of conveyor belt that turns them from gelatinous beans into metallic cyborg beans. Uh, he really is a genius, huh? Oh, God, it? there's nothing he can't do. <laughs> well, there's one thing he can't do, and that's secure the beans himself. Yeah, and uh, and not overact in a live action movie, but yes, please right, continue. Right, right, and one <laughs> one assumes. Uh, look, as soon as as soon as air travel uh, is back, I will promise I will watch the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. But that is not not a movie that I'm allowed to watch in my own house. I think we can all agree that I have to be on JetBlue. <laughs> That's probably fair. I imagine the um, the altitude and what comes with that. I know. A lot of I've heard of a lot of people watching movies on planes and then getting particularly emotional. Oh yeah! Them. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened to me with uh, like an Infinity War rewatch. Where I was like, <laughs> this, "This is as good as I remember." <laughs> you know, this is really uh, so, an impressive yeah, you, culmination you, you, of twenty five movies. Okay. Yes. This really this comes together in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really just my... yeah. You know, in all such a divisive, such a divisive time, there's so much unity in this film, and it really makes you think. Ugh, ugh, <laughs> ugh! They all so come th- out of those orange circles. So I'm, I'm de- detracting from. Okay. Oh, it's M- not like the beans... thing I'm talking about is important either. It's I know, but oh, but it's all but... just a glorious mishmash of of <laughs> one 365 day long brain fart. That's fair. No, it's. Uh, do you think? Do you think you've been? "Quote unquote productive in this last year," I think I ha- I think I have um I think I have certainly by the um certainly by the standards that I think we should be holding ourselves to. Fair, yeah, I think I've been okay. I mean, uh, it's 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 kind of interesting because a lot of the stuff I do, like the book, took two years to make. So wow. the book was announced in March of 2019. And it came out in January of 2021. So I was working on it during 2019 and 2020. But it's very difficult to say like, you know, like, oh, 2020 was a bad year, but at least I had a book come out. It's like, it doesn't really work that way. I had like projects of different sizes and ups and downs and things that fizzled entirely and a consistent day job for most of it. So, yeah, I, I think that on the whole, I was as productive this year as, as is realistic. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, productive in general, obviously, it's like, what does that even constitute necessarily? But especially in, obviously, such a, a unique year, to put it 
in a sociopathically flippant way. I can't. Uh, it's I not know. your fault. I, I mean, that's yeah. not. There's no word. There's no correct word for it. That's certainly. how. But that's how you know it's hard because all the you know the grocery store commercials and and uh, insurance companies are like are like we're all in this together. Like they're not. <laughs> saying yeah. anything with any degree of specificity because if you do you're having a much more intimate conversation immediately yeah, yeah i like the idea too that that i've seen people be like respond to those commercials like thank you thank you kroger or whatever and then it's just like yeah congratulations they acknowledged a pandemic they did it <laughs> they, they are not <laughs> flippantly sociopathic yeah exactly like oh they just said this is a thing that exists because like you needed to be reminded that it exists because we're not thinking about it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, the alternative would be saying nothing, which would be genuinely creepy. That is very fair. Like the voiceover might as well be like, look, we're not fucking morons. We know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Uh, oh, you can, please. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I say that, that it'd be weird to not acknowledge it, but then in movies, I wish they wouldn't. Oh, we watch a lot of uh, we watch a lot of Law and Order SVU during the during the pandemic, and uh, that's one where they're they're really trying to they're really trying to exist in the real world. But as a result of that, the the masks become this kind of like convenient affectation, and they take them off constantly, and then dramatically put them <laughs> back on. I uh, like the equivalent of like Horatio Kane in CSI Miami taking his sunglasses off. Not as, not as, not as, not as, not as, not as, not as Caruso-esque. Yeah. It lacks, it lacks the Caruso-city. Caruso-ian, Caruso-ian. Man, that's a really difficult Listeners, write in with your suggestion for how to turn David Caruso's mannerisms into an adjective. I remember reading an article about him, specifically through the prism of CSI Miami and how he was like the sunglasses me taking them off that will be my thing that was a choice which it's pretty patently that didn't obvious just that was a choice organically or they didn't yeah. just do it <laughs> once and it you know was they were they really felt it on set and they were and then the writers room becomes aware of it and they start trying like to look for opportunities it was more like <laughs> it was more like a like a don't have a cow man it was more <laughs> of this kind of aggressive yeah. specific repeated it was choice. a dramatic choice by a very dramatic overly self-serious actor but the other thing that was in the article that made me laugh so hard and still does is that he apparently could not walk say his lines and put gloves on at the same time so they would do purposeful close-ups on his hands because he couldn't do either walk and put them on or all three at the same time but i'm like oh that's that's amazing that is fascinating I'm trying to think whether I could do that. I'm gonna after this. I'm gonna try a couple. Uh, I'll just like I'll just like uh, ch- choose some movie quote in advance and be doing this in my living room. I just picture you just saying "Life is like a box of chocolates," just walking around in a circle and just cracking really hard <laughs> into the coffee table. <laughs> you know, in retrospect, as I've thought about that off and on over the years for reasons I, I still need to unpack, probably. I want to say, I know I couldn't do that, but then again, I'm not expected to. And if I am, I'll have even more questions. Yeah, and you know what? Benefit of the doubt. I think that I think that it might impact the performance in such a way where I could I could do that and be a bad actor. <laughs> That's you true. Know? Like, I could, yeah, no, I'll walk and put on gloves, but, like, the line is going to suffer. <laughs> like, we're compromising on clarity here. Do you want me walking or do you want the audience to know what's going on? 
it's an A, B, or C, not an all of the above situation. Yeah. So choose wisely, whatever you need to do organically for the scene, but just know it's just not on the table. Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is why I don't this is why I don't direct. <laughs> you know what? This is why I chose not to star in CSI Miami. That's right. That's right. I remember. <laughs> Mark Burnett knows. I think he produced that. He, he, I can't yes. remember now. Everything okay. that's on television was produced by Mark Burnett. <laughs> that's fair. Mark Burnett presents Stranger Things. He owns. Uh, oh yeah, he owns CBS or I guess now NBC, basically. So he's a good. Well. He's a good guy, and we wish we wish him well. No comments on anything related <laughs> you know, to the elephant in the room. He's out so there and he's doing it and, he, and he's and he's and he's keeping it going. He's great. He's a perfect upstanding citizen. And moving on as I get censored or sued into the Stone Age. Have you found yourself doing something more like maybe cooking more or something as a non-work I guess distraction or healthy distraction during all this? Everything. Everything I do, I'm doing more of. And I'm trying to figure out, because there's two two really big, really big changes in my life. There's the one that we're all going through. And then yes. I also worked for a late night talk show largely about the news until February of 2019. So, or February 2020, rather. So, like, right before the pandemic started, I left a job where... I spent most of the day thinking about and, and processing the news so that I could write about it the following day. And I think not doing that freed up just like a ton of brain space. So I'm, I'm absolutely cooking more, but I'm also just like, I read books again, which I feel like I didn't for about five years because yeah. everything, everything would have been a podcast or the Washington Post. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I think no matter what the circumstances, I would have started becoming like a more, like a more well-rounded person in terms of my hobbies. But being at home all of the time, all the, all the, 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 the thing that I, the thing that I think has sort of maximized. Uh, reading and cooking and video games and you know the indoor exercise is not just the sort of you can't go out at night and see your friends i think it's the little minutes that accumulate through the day like you don't have a commute anymore you don't yeah. run errands as casually uh, i think that those little five and ten and, and 45 minute chunks have added up and that's that's the part that is, that is starting to feel like a vast expanse yeah, that makes sense. It feels like, too, that, yeah, this, it's created its own weird form of structure, too, because, like, you know, to your point, you it's kind of death by a thousand cuts of you being more efficient and having more time to yourself in these small increments that add up. But then also, for me, you know, and, and for a lot of people, but it's like, oh, I don't go out. Okay. The rules of what you can do are so much... uh not more stringent, but I guess more defined, that it allows me to, to, I guess, like, oh, okay, I'm in this smaller box, and then I'll do something within that. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. I mean, it's just like, I don't I don't even think it's conscious uh, for most of it yeah. at this point, but just stuff like um, there's, there's podcasts that I've fallen off of, or, you know, I don't do the New York Times crossword puzzle anymore, because those were rituals that were tailored perfectly to a commute. Yeah. Things, things yeah. like that. Or just like, you know, talking to friends and realizing we haven't seen each other in in over a year and doing way more uh, internet socializing in a sort of uh, real-time, one-on-one, you know, text chain kind of way. 
that I, yeah. I I didn't as much anymore, or I didn't as much previously because I would see those people and we would save up those conversations. Yeah, that makes sense. It must be nice too to um, to not feel obligated to list to watch the news or consume the news through any prism during all this to just be able to like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I need to unplug from that right now. Yeah, I mean, I I I do. Uh, <laughs> I definitely like. I definitely still do. Um, it's just not as granular. Like okay. the thing that the thing that I the thing that I always say about the Biden administration is like everybody should stay extremely vigilant. Everybody should push super hard and Absolutely. get and get the yeah and get the reforms that that Americans uh, deserve to you know be happy and stay alive. But I don't need to know the Treasury Secretary's wife's name. I don't need to <laughs> know about Louise yeah. Linton and her her leather gloves and her weird movie. Like the next, the next wave of like they really have to be, they really have to be newsmakers. I think for the spouses of cabinet members to be somebody that I need to to tweet about. Yeah, it is nice to not have to, to your point, to like memorize the family tree of these first draft Bond villains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think that, and you know, that's that's twofold. Uh, one is that the temperature is a is a little bit lower than than it was uh, b- before before inauguration day. Yeah, and uh, that I'm also not I don't have a professional interest in getting comedy out of these characters uh, at the moment, which you know I I did for for five years. Yeah, that must be you know it, it's a pretty exciting opportunity obviously and to be able to write for cool bear in general but to be able to probably decompress for that i imagine might have taken a second or no um yeah no absolutely it did i think anytime i leave a job i'm just wired into that job i always i i always have like the one weird email i write on my first day away where it's like hey i don't know if I, you know if you guys saw this like i i <laughs> yeah. can't i cannot help it i always have like a weird little a weird little tether because uh, you know that's the that's the treadmill that that you're on no it was it was an extraordinary job and i think i became so much smarter and better and and more disciplined uh while i was doing it and and learning from you know those people who obviously had been doing the colbert report like one of the greatest television shows ever but i am now that i am not doing it i'm happy to uh consume the news in a way that i don't have to process for other people i can just kind of <laughs> live as i say live yeah, just as strictly a citizen yeah. yeah i can be unhappy i don't have to <laughs> turn that unhappiness into someone else's uh understanding that is a noble job for someone else to do now <laughs> but yeah i can imagine though when you're talking about the email to like your first non-employed their day of well my brain is still working this way so might as well just say hey just just a thought yeah exactly it's the the fire hose is very difficult to turn off <laughs> it's like i think i left a sweater in your car well yeah and it's like well you know the fire is still my enemy because it's only been a day removed <laughs> from fighting it <laughs> It's hard to, to not immediately, you know, yeah, you don't want to become still, friends with the fire. I still care about this. I do. I <laughs> still I still care about these things. So Just uh, to be clear, yeah, you're still anti-fire. I'm yes. anti-fire. I'm, an, I'm anti-fi. <laughs> Look, if you're not a member of anti-fi, that means you're fi. It means you're pro-fi. That's what fi means. Unfortunately, yes. It is strictly this binary. You're either pro-fi or anti-fi. And I just say what you are and I'll define you as a person. What are you going to do? <laughs> 
Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Very much enjoyed this, and I always enjoy the random randomness of any conversation. Thank you for so, for having me. Uh, is there anything you want to point people toward? I know you have many a thing before we wrap it up. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only thing right now that that you know would would be of of great benefit to me is if you checked out our children's book, Princess Dinosaur. It's illustrated by Ashley Quatch, who we did the Santa's Husband book together. And it's a uh, rhyming book for kids in the sort of one to seven range, I think, generously. Uh, and it's 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 fun. It's for uh, people who are maybe worried about their kid having a princess phase, because I know that we're not supposed to do that anymore. Yeah. But realistically, they're gonna. And the silver lining is that uh, your child is a multifaceted creature who is oscillating from Jekyll and Hyde, you know, every... 20 seconds for the first for the first 10 years of their life uh so uh if they if they get sucked into frozen uh it's okay because i promise they're gonna like color on the walls or break something five minutes later and this is this <laughs> yeah. is a book about about uh being that and accepting that that's awesome perfect thank you again this is great thank you for having me absolutely happy everybody. pandemic everybody happy pandemic please stay safe wear a mask practice empathy all of the above Thank you again. Bye.